0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sync Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com I was going to open up by asking if there was anyone in the room who has a habit of losing things. However, having heard Tommy's announcement about your lost property department, uh, it sounds like a lot of you do have that habit uh, with mustard coats and other things. I have a habit of losing things all the time. Like The the number of times that I have to ask a family member to ring my phone because I've been walking around the house, I've put it down somewhere, I've got no idea where it is. The worst one, though, is glasses. Like, losing glasses is a catch-22 situation, isn't it? Because, like, without your glasses, how are you going to find them? Like, we have no idea where they are. The worst one is when you lose your glasses and you spend, like, 10 minutes looking everywhere in the house and it turns out they're on your face. Like, that is the worst way to do it. And that's happened to me lots and lots of times. I wonder if you've ever had a similar feeling to that, not just with a possession but when it comes to a relationship. So you hear that broadly. So it could be a romantic thing or could be a, a friendship. It could be a relationship with a family member. But you've ever had that feeling of, feels like I've lost this somehow. Like we, we were really close. We, we spoke to each other all the time. It felt like we we just got each other. And now we don't. It feels distant. It feels like for whatever reason... It's not where it was. It's not what it was. Maybe it's a physical distance thing. I remember when we moved up here from London, we tried to keep in touch with some of our friends back down there, but because we weren't seeing each other all the time, we weren't in each other's houses all the time, it just put some distance in and it affected the quality of the relationships. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe uh, it just feels like This person's just checked out. It feels like they're not hearing me anymore. They're not connected in the way they used to be. I remember when I was 19 years old and... Uh, At the time I was going out with someone who lived in a different country. And we'd arranged to meet up. We said, like, let's meet up. Let's go, let's both go to to France and let's meet there. And we'd made all our plans. Like, I I was gonna travel, she was gonna travel, and we were gonna meet at the airport in Paris. Now, being 19 years old, I didn't really know how these things worked, nor did she. And so we'd made this plan that let's meet by the bit where the suitcases come round on the big conveyor belt. We'll just meet there. It seems like a a nice little landmark in the airport. So I've travelled to to Paris earlier in the day, and and I'm going to the airport. She's flying in. I'm thinking, well, it's easy enough, isn't it? You can just walk into the airport and find that bit. Apparently not. Like, in in, in airports, this was just after 9-11, and um, they have something called security. They don't just let people walk through. So I couldn't get to the bit where people would get off the flight. So I was one side of this big security gate. Now, she landed... She, she went to the place, waited for her suitcase to come round, uh, and then she sat there next to this luggage conveyor belt, with, uh, and I'm, like, unable to get anywhere near where she is, unable to communicate what's going on. Like, this was uh, before, like, we'd have phones and messenger stuff. So she was waiting there, like, well over an hour, uh, feeling like she'd just been stood up in this for- foreign country. I was there, like, desperate to get through. I want to get there. I can't get there. And there was just this block there was this barrier the relationship was unable to be connected because we were in different places there was a barrier in the way and when I was preparing this talk I was like yeah that's probably a parable for that whole relationship and why it didn't work out but that's a story for another day but there's a sense sometimes in a relationship like there's a block like there's a barrier like there's something in the way like there's distance ever felt that I wonder if you've ever felt that same thing in your relationship with God. I mean, most people who follow God have from times to times felt distant, felt like it's difficult. It can feel like things are going really well, like my relationship with God is in such a strong place. And then all of a sudden, hard to explain why. It's like, it's like he's a million miles away. Like I'm not feeling it anymore like worship it was so easy so vibrant so heartfelt now it it just feels like I'm just going through the motions I'm just mouthing along with the words but it's not what it was or prayer like I love that uh, quiet place of prayer but now it's like it's just hard like I say words it's like they're just hitting the ceiling is anything happening it becomes difficult ever felt like that well That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want our theme of today's message to be. Why does this sometimes happen? What is going on when it feels like we're distant from God? Now, the way we're going to do it, because we've done this little series in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, you'll find it somewhere near the middle, little book. And it's a book of eight chapters of romantic poetry between a man and a woman. They're talking to each other. They're expressing their feelings for one another. And uh, in this, we see a parallel. We see an image. We see something that helps us think about the relationship between God and us his people. And it's an image, it's something that we can connect into. And actually we can connect into it whatever our experience of these things on a human level might be. This is transcending us into something different, something better, something that goes beyond all of that into the ultimate example of this is God's love for us and the love that we're invited to share in with him. And so what we've seen so far is we started by looking at uh, how the woman was expressing her desire, her longing for closeness with him, and thought about, well, what, what is it to long for closeness with God? And then last week we saw a bit about how she felt about herself. She saw her flaws, she saw her blemishes, and yet he didn't see that. He said, no, you're altogether beautiful, my love. And we thought about through what Jesus did in the gospel on the cross that God looks at us and He doesn't see our flaws and sins and blemishes, but He looks at us, you are altogether beautiful. So it's a good little love story, isn't it? Um, well, every good love story, if you're into rom coms, you'll know this, there's always wrinkles along the way. There's always moments when it seems like things aren't quite working out as they should. And today we're going to see two moments in the story where there are little wrinkles along the way, where uh, the, the course of true love doesn't quite run smooth. And both of these scenes are set at night. They, they might be dreams. The people who study it and write about it say these could well be dreams. I don't know um, how you interact with dreams. They can be quite sensitive, can't they? Like Often the the pressures, the things, the difficulties, the challenges, whatever we're thinking about in the day can sometimes find their way into our dreams. And at night, our brain is like going crazy on these things. Well, that might be what's happening to her. She wants to be close to his presence, but she can't find him anywhere. It feels like he's gone. And we're going to use this to think about those times when it feels like the presence of God is distant or absent from us. So, Song of Songs, if you've got your Bible, let's turn there. I'm going to start with the first one. And this is found in chapter three. And I'm going to read the first four verses. So this is her speaking. Upon my bed at night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The sentinels found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him. and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. What is she saying here? Well, she knows she loves him. She's seeking for him, but he's not there. She's calling out to him, but he's not answering her. There's a desire for him, but the enjoyment is gone. The intimacy isn't there. She wants to be close to him, but she's not feeling close to him right now. And when we read this in a spiritual way, which is the way we are reading it, this acknowledges, this gives the nod to this idea that there will be moments in a relationship with Jesus where it feels like his presence is gone, where it seems like He's distant. It seems like he's absent. It seems like he's ghosting you. You know, you're you're sending your messages, you say your prayers, and it feels like, it seems like you're getting nothing back, no response. It's like, uh, is he even hearing? Does he even care? Uh, have I just made this whole thing up? It seems like that. Now, I use the word seems. I use the word feels. They're doing a lot of lifting here, because it's not true that he has actually left. He's not forsaken us. He's promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And yet it can seem that way, can't it? And it doesn't change the fact that it feels painful. It doesn't change the fact that it feels disorienting. It's difficult. How do we process it when this is going on? And what makes it worse for her is she's not done anything wrong. It's not like she has pushed him away. It's not like she said, like, get out. I want you gone. It's not like they've had a big argument. It's not like there's any particular um, sin or offence or wrong that she's done to him. That she said, well, this is why it's happened. And yeah, it just has happened. It makes it even more confusing, even more difficult. Why is this going on? Sometimes people call experiences like this the dark night of the soul. That's a powerful phrase and a big phrase, the dark night of the soul, And it's those moments when you do seem just so distant. We see it in the Bible. We see it in a character like Elijah. Maybe you remember Elijah's story. He was the prophet uh, and he went and he called out all these prophets of a false god and said, let's both make a fire, uh, but make a sacrifice and pray and see which god sends the fire. Uh, And the the living God sent the fire on the sacrifice. It was a moment in, in the nation of people coming to faith in God. But then right after it, in the next chapter, we see Elijah. And he's kind of withdrawn and he goes and uh, he sits down. And he's like, what's the point? There's no one left. Like, God, what are you even doing? Where are you at? Uh, and he just goes into this absolute funk of disconnect from God. He experiences something of the dark night. We also see the same thing in stories. I, I don't know if you read biographies or stories of different Christians in the past, but they talk about this quite often. I'll give you one example. Let's talk about Mother Teresa. Most of you have probably heard of Mother Teresa. Uh, She was a a Christian nun who worked in Calcutta serving the poor. She wrote about her life and she describes the second half of her life and her difficulty to connect with God. Uh, And just hear the intensity of these words. She said, the pain within is so great The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. In the darkness, Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there's no one to answer. No one on whom I can cling. No, no one. Alone. The darkness is so dark, and I'm alone Before, I used to get such help and consolation from spiritual direction. Now, nothing. I mean, she's full on, isn't she, the way she describes it. But it's an experience that maybe you get. Maybe you resonate with what she's saying that I resonate with. This I remember a few years ago I had a season where this was exactly how I felt. I was uh, in a pretty low. I, I tried to pray just so you know how I work. A lot of the way I think is like future directed, so uh, I'm always like imagining and dreaming and scheming and planning and like, "Hey, what about this, and wouldn't it be cool if that and let's try this." Uh, and my brain is kind of filled with possibilities of the future. Um, but I realize. Can't see the future anymore. Like I, I, I can't see anything. I can't imagine. I don't have any ideas. I don't have anything I want to do. This feels bleak. Is this? And I had this really bleak thought in my head, and the thought was, would this be what it feels like when I'm about to die? And it was like I, I was trying to pray, and I just couldn't. I couldn't get the words out. I felt like God was a million miles away from me. And I resonated with Mother Teresa. I resonated with the woman here in the Song of Songs and Elijah. Um, and even think about Jesus, when he's on the cross, what were the words he cried out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's something about this sense of distance that we can all experience some of the time. It's a normal thing. The Bible's acknowledging it. And uh, it wouldn't do as good to pretend like this isn't a thing, uh, because everyone else doesn't experience this. It's only me. So I, I, I don't need to be real about it. I don't need to be honest about it. It is a real thing, and that's what we're pushing into. I want to look at the other passage as well, where there's another wrinkle in the story. This is chapter 5, and we start at verse 2. I'll read through to verse 8. Some similarities to the first one, some differences. So she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I'd put off my garment. How could I put it on again? I'd bathe my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved thrust his hand into the opening, and my inmost being yearned for him. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh upon the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and was gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. Making their rounds in the city, the sentinels found me. They beat me, they wounded me, they took away my mantle, those sentinels of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him this, I am faint with love. So this time what's happening is he approaches her, uh, but she's already turned in for the night. She's already gone to bed. She's got her pyjamas on. She's um, kind of in her kind of house, slobby clothes. She, she's not dressed up to go out again. And so she's like, you know what? You're all right. You, you know, it's, it's not a good time for me on your own. Like, go on your own way. She, she turns him and actually, there's nothing wrong with having a bit of me time. There's nothing wrong with uh, not being at someone's beck and call all the time. That's a perfectly fine and healthy thing to do. Maybe you get in a dynamic where there's always uh, no, not just now, there's always a reason not to spend time with someone, there's always an excuse, there's always something that you're putting in the way. Well, of course that's going to affect the relationship. Of course, that's gonna bring a bit of distance into things. And things will be impacted by it. Now, let's think about it spiritually. This idea of knocking on the door and the opportunity to say yes or no to fellowship. That's a New Testament image. We see in the book of Revelation, Jesus, uh, he he says this, Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. Isn't that just a beautiful thought that Jesus, he's not barging in. He's not forcing his way through. Uh, He's gentle. He's knocking. he's, He's waiting for that invitation. He says, If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and you with me. So he's knocking. Uh, And we've got the invitation to fellowship with him. We've got the same choice to make that this lady in the Song of Songs has. Do we say yes or do we say no? And some of the time we might make the same choice that she made. We might say, No, uh, I don't want it right now. I'm going to push you away. And almost straight away, once she's done this, she regrets it. She's like, hang on, uh, this, this isn't what I wanted after all. I do want to be close to you. And then she goes and she opens the door. But he's gone, like he, he's heard her say no, so he's, he's gone on his way. She's like, oh, no, because I want to be with you and I'm not with you. And she's searching the streets and she's trying to find him. She's left in exactly the same place as the first one. She can't find him and she wants to be with him. And this time, it kind of is her doing. It is her choice that she's made. And when we think about our spiritual life, sometimes we might know that the distance in the relationship with God, sometimes it might be to do with stuff that we've done and choices that we've made. And when that's the case, that can hurt in its own way, can't it? But us in the same place. I sought him, but I found him not. I wanted to be close to him, but I'm not feeling it. And what makes this worse, what makes this feeling even more difficult is the way other people respond. I don't know if you've ever found that. Like Sometimes when you're in your crisis moment, the people around you, they aren't always the most helpful, are they? I wonder if you spotted some characters who were mentioned in both of the passages that I've read. Uh, in the translation I've read from, they're called the Sentinels. Maybe in the one in front of you, it uses the same word, or some of them use the word the watchmen. Uh, but it's talking about uh, some people who she encounters. And these represent uh, friends or leaders or people who she might reasonably expect can help her. So they come up in chapter 3, verse 3, and she's looking for him. She says, the sentinels found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? So she's asking them, look, I'm not feeling it. I'm not, I'm, I can't find him. Can you help me find him? And basically the answer is no, no, they're, they're not much help at all. It's only after she's passed by them that she's able to find him. Now, it seems like in this passage, they mean well, but they can't give her what she's looking for. Christine Kane says people cannot give you what you can only get from God. When you feel that disconnect from God, your friends, even leaders, people you trust, they can't fill the void for you. It's a connection with God himself that needs to be restored. Have you ever had it? Like You're offloading your problems. You're telling someone how difficult it is and how, how hard you're finding your spiritual life. And they say to you, you know what you should do? You should pray about it. And don't you get it? Like, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm finding prayer difficult right now. Like, that's where the struggle is. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you should pray. And you've not solved this for me. Or, or maybe it's not, you should pray. They say they say this uh, I'll lend you a book. And you know, Yeah, thanks. I'll have to put that book on my bookshelf for at least a few weeks and and not read it. And then at some point kind of sheepishly return it to you unread. Or I'll send you a link to a talk. I don't want a link to your talk. That's not what I need right now. People try and help. And part of you wants to say, thank you. I know you're trying to be kind. I know you're trying to help me out. And part of you wants to say, please stop it. Please don't do this right now. It's not what I need from you. Do you know what I mean here? Like, a lot of the time, what you need from your friend isn't them to solve the problem, isn't them to be an answer. It's just to put an arm around your shoulder. It's just to be with you in that moment and say, I'm here, I'm here. As long as this is going on, I'm, I'm with you. A lot of the time, that's the best a friend can do. Well, let's go into chapter five again because these sentinels come up again. This time, it's way worse. This time, uh, it's pretty bleak. They come up in verse seven. Making their rounds in the city, the sentinels found me, they beat me, they wounded me, they took away my mantle, those sentinels of the walls. There's a lot of talk in our day about abuse of authority. It's not a 21st century problem, it's not a new thing, it's been going on as long as humans Have existed. It's talked about here in in the Song of Songs in the Bible. This is awful. This poetry is intimating a physical abuse, sexual abuse that this woman has experienced at the hands of these sentinels. It's absolutely horrific. When you when you go to someone for help, when you think these people will be able to positively influence this problem that I've got, but instead. They hurt, they exploit, they use. And whatever it looks like, whether it looks like it looked for her, and sometimes it does, whether it looks different, there are lots of ways these dynamics can play out where these people who have influence and authority are not using it well. These moments can absolutely break people. It's where you think you're going to get help, but you end up worse off than you were at the start just picture this lady she's she's already feeling alone she's already feeling isolated she's feeling like she's blown the best thing in her life and then this happens wouldn't it be easy for her to give up to just throw in the towel I've I've had enough I can't I can't do it and yet when we read the next verse we see through it all that deep down inside there's still something there's still a little spark that longs for the presence of her her good kind gentle groom she says I adjure you O daughters of Jerusalem if you find my beloved tell him this I'm faint with love Through it all, there's still something, still something that longs for him. When I I read passages like we've read, these moments when we reflect on this dark night of the soul, this experience of disconnection from God, the question that I want to ask, and maybe this is your question as well, is why? why? Why do we have to go through this? Why can't it be that the Christian life is just always closeness always feeling it always vibing with the presence of God why can't it be like that all the time that's the question it seems the obvious question I think the answer it might be surprising it might not but I think the answer is in those moments that God is doing something that God's at work that he's not abandoned us but that he's working Tony Evans American pastor says this when God is silent he's not still I love that. When God is silent, he is not still. It's really important. Let me try and illustrate how it works and what I think God might be trying to do. So I have a thing with Emma, right? When one of us goes on a trip, there's a little kind of like little game we play, a little joke that we do where we'll text each other and we'll ask this question are you missing me and so well let's say i'm the one going on the trip so uh, i'll leave the house i'll i'll be off and then a little while later i'll get a text from emma saying are you missing me and i'll reply something like this well i saw you 20 minutes ago i'm still on the bus and i'm i'm, I'm all right I'm doing, I'm doing fine but thanks for asking uh, and then a little bit later she'll text me again and she'll say Are you missing me now? And then it's like, well, I'm settled on the train. I've got a seat. I've got a nice cup of coffee. I've got my book. You know, life is pretty good right now. And this will keep going for a while. Are you missing me? Are you missing? And there's always a moment that it goes from, yeah, I'm fine, to, I really am. I I, I am missing you. I'd love to be home. I'd love to spend some time together. And, And it always goes from, yeah, I'm getting on okay, to so I really want to be in your presence again. I think there's something like that going on here. You might have heard the saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Julian Hardiman, he, he wrote a book about Song of Songs, and he, he says it's one effect of the times when Jesus seems to withdraw is to make us long for him all the more, to seek him, and that conscious sense of his peace and presence If you're in a state where God seems distant, seems inaccessible, please realize this does not mean he's not working in you. He's there, but his spirit is doing a different work when you don't feel his presence, but instead feel a sense of absence. That sense of absence is given to you by God to make you seek after him all the more. See it as a gift to inspire you to draw in, to lean close. I don't know if you've ever seen kids on a playground. Over the last decade, I've done lots of playground trips with kids. And what you notice is they're really, really good at making friends with other kids. Like, they can do it in one minute. It takes me ages to make friends with someone when I first meet them. My kids can do it just like that. They just meet and they start playing together. And the most simple game that kids know how to play is one of them sets off running And then what does the other one do? They know straight away, I'm running after you. I'm gonna chase you. I'm gonna follow you where you go. I'm going to catch you. I think that is a picture of what God calls us to. When we don't sense his presence, he's calling us to chase. It's like, will you come after me? Will you long for me? Will you chase me? Moments like this are a call to pursue God and go after him and seek him. I wonder if you noticed some of the verbs that we saw in chapter three. She says, I love him. I sought him. I found him not. I found him. I held him. I brought him home. You see that moment of absence, that's not the end of the story. She goes after him and she finds him, holds him, brings him home. Let those moments of chase create the longing. And then how much sweeter is it when you have that sense of, yes, this is what I've been longing for. This is his presence. This is that closeness once again. I spoke about Mother Teresa. I shared with you some of her words for much of her life. And at the end of it, do you know what she said? She said, I want Jesus. You see that sense of distance had created in her. Just, I just want Jesus. That's all I want. That was her heart's cry. So Amy Byrne encourages us. She says, let's be bold like the bride in seeking him. Pray fervently. Go to his word. Get with his people. Don't stay down. Get up. I wonder what it might look like for you to draw near I wonder what it might look like for you to pursue him maybe it is what she's talking about that fervent praying that getting into the word maybe you know that's what I need to do maybe you're not quite there yet maybe for you it's it's just that crying out God I don't get this God this hurts I don't understand but God meet with me maybe it's just that cry maybe it's falling on your knees before him Maybe it's waiting and holding on to old promises, words spoken over you years and years ago. Maybe it's getting into the quiet place and worshipping him on your own. Maybe it's opening up and speaking out how you're feeling and your troubles to to a friend who you trust, who's not going to lend you a book or send you a talk, but it's just going to be there with you in the midst of it. The Song of Songs is a book all about the ebb and flow of a relationship. There are moments of seeking. There are moments of seeming distant that stir up the longing, but that's not all. And where she lands in chapter three, verse four, scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and wouldn't let him go until I brought him near. That moment of seeking and feeling distance. That's not how the story ends. That's not where we're meant to be forever. There's that moment of I found him, I held him, and I wouldn't let him go. You know, the heart of Jesus is to be found. The heart of Jesus is to draw near. It's interesting when you read the Gospels, how often Jesus comes to this idea of seeking and finding. Maybe you remember the story of that shepherd who had a hundred sheep but lost one of them. And what did he do? He went to seek. He went to find. He got that sheep on his shoulders and he brought it home. There's a seeking, but there's a finding. Or maybe you remember the story of the woman who had 10 coins and she lost one of them and she upturned her whole house. She turned all the furniture over. She looked everywhere because she'd lost, but she wanted, so she sought and she found. And then think about what Jesus said about himself in Luke 19, for the son of man, came to seek out and save the lost. So as you're feeling the distance and as you're longing for him know this, know that he is longing for you. As you're seeking him he is seeking you and as you draw near to him the promise of the Bible is that he will draw near to you. Our weeping may linger for the night. Enjoying the joke is in the night. Thanks for listening. Christ Church Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians, You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us, or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.